Only Three Lads is a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast family, home to some of the best music podcasts on the planet. Visit PantheonPodcast.com to discover more. And if you like what we do on O3L, we kindly ask you to please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the show on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on right now. It really helps us more than you know. I realized that I'm never going to be able to learn how to scream if I simply sit around on my ass dreaming about it. So I asked myself, what if I started from scratch and practiced screaming every single day, rain or shine, for 30 days straight? Would I be able to unlock my screaming voice within that time? Welcome back. It's another edition of the Only Three Lads podcast, where we take a look at the golden age of alternative music from 1974 to 1999. I am Uncle Greg. Of course, we have the Rocktologist Brett Vargo. Hello, Gregory. I don't know what accent I want to affect today. Oh, we're just talking about my grandfather and my grandfather of Irish descent. And uh, he was a partier. He liked to drink. Never violent, always happy. My uh, mother was the exact opposite. My parents hardly drank, but my grandfather's on both sides. Happy drunks. It was the time, too. Yeah. I wish I had more of like a rebellious, you know, like victimization uh, part of that. But it, I, I didn't really. My, I was loved by my parents and loved by my grandparents. My grandparents would come and visit and they would do shots at the table. and We weren't allowed in the kitchen while they were doing shots because maybe the alcohol would splash off their lips into mine. And then I would turn out the way I did. So I don't really think it helped. Square. I know. <laughs> you had a happy childhood. I did, yeah. Parents loved me. They supported me. What's that like? <laughs> Safe to say you are the chosen one. Yeah, I wouldn't go that far. I did not chose one. And hey, well, why don't we just bring in Matt? You've already heard him. He's our third lad this week. Yeah. Hey, Matt. Hi. What's going on? Yeah. So, of course, we're on the subject of punk singers today Mm. that's something that we believe you know a little something about yes you were in a band that i think could uh what how did you classify the band pop punk yeah it was like it was like pop rock punk kind of thing um and i i've been i've been in a few so even like the first one i was in way back in the day was kind of more on the punk screamo side so that uh did some genres as well Ooh, we may have you do some screamo. Oh know, boy! Before we, I adjourn. love screamo stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't do it. I can teach obviously. you how to do it. You really? Yeah. All right, real quick, let's do it. It's, we may have to have a lesson. <laughs> it's one of the things that I teach. It's all about the. Uh, it's all about the false chords. A lot of people, when they try to do screaming, they think their vocal folds have to come together, and you have to give a lot of breath pressure to have them really vibrate hard. But that will hurt. And in fact, there's the false chords that are in front of the vocal folds and those have to vibrate. And then you, when you actually feel the scream, you'll feel the gravel more up here. If you feel it here, you've done it incorrectly. Mm. feels more like up here. So if you make like that sound, you're you're pointing to like the jawline. Yeah. So right at the back of the pharynx, the back of the mouth, this is audio only. So we'll, we'll do a descriptive. (laughs) Yes. So this makes perfect sense for me to point at something where no one can see it. Uh, But the back of the mouth or the back of the pharynx is where you'll feel it. So if you do like a a grunt, uh, uh, you can feel it up in the back of the mouth. 
yeah. and that's where the beginning of that scream starts to come about. Learn something new every day. Well, Greg, the first song by our band, The Scurvy, was very much twee indie pop. I think next we need to do a Screamo song. Absolutely. I really loved it when the Screamo <laughs> bands would do, like, they would cover or do their versions of a pop song. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, there was a lot of that going on in the mid-2000s, and I oh, still, I loved, I loved it. Yeah. All the Punkos Papa uh, yeah. uh, CDs were fantastic. I love those. Me too. Uh, Brett did not. I have this feeling. <laughs> no, I did not. <laughs> yeah. That was a terrible introduction of you, Matt. Sorry. Oh. So we'll give you a proper introduction. Yeah. So we talked a little bit about uh, about the band you were in, I've Got Gloria. Mm -hmm. I know you guys received a lot of uh, critical acclaim and radio airplay toured around 2014 EP, which I was listening to this morning. Here we are. Mm -hmm. And since then, you have devoted yourself as a full-time evidence-based and we've already seen this on display how wonderful uh vocal coach mm -hmm. at registers music and you help singers bands and actors harness the power and efficiency of their voices mm -hmm. so we're excited to talk to you welcome to only three lads matt dell oh, thank you for having me i appreciate it thank you thank you now matt you said you toured through phoenix when you came through phoenix where did you play can you remember no <laughs> <laughs> what did it look like and what did it make you feel like? I could probably, I would bet that, Hot. yeah, well, you yeah. probably played at the Nile in Mesa. That sounds familiar. I can't remember because the tour that we did when we went through Phoenix was a was a pretty good train wreck. One of the things that happens for touring through the States, at least when I was doing it uh, eight years ago, is you would pay for a company to help you book in the areas. Right. That tour, we were, we went for, I think, almost a month. And we were double booked on like a quarter of the shows and got kicked off of them. So it was such uh -huh. a train wreck of a tour that, uh, and our van broke down as well at some point in time in Texas. Like I don't, I don't remember much of it. The, there are pictures of us that were, we're, we're in San Francisco. I think we're on the beach or something. And when you look at me, I look haggard because I'm just like, I'm like, Oh gosh, this is such a bad tour. I'm so tired. <laughs> But those are great stories to tell down the line about you know the rock and roll life on the road, right? Mm -hmm. It's what's given me uh, a lot of information to teach people when they come into my lessons and say, like, I want to be a rock star. I want to be famous. And I'll ask them what that means. Oh, I want to tour. And I'll tell them, okay, tour is not as glamorous as you think it is. Like, you would think uh, tour buses and bunks and hotels and no one thinks mattress in the back of my car with the seats folded down in the middle of february in british columbia yeah. that's how i spent a lot of tours was sleeping in the back of my trunk for a number of years before things actually started to kind of get a little bit better so what's your best tour story like your the, the the happiest apex of touring the happiest apex of touring there's a few different ones uh you know the the time i opened up for there's a, a an artist here in canada named dallas green He's from a band called Alexis on Fire. Uh, he has his own project called City in Color. Uh, when I got to open up uh, for him, that was a really cool show to do. But I think one of the best ones that I remember always was the very first tour that I did. Uh, I toured out to this place called Amherstburg. It's in Ontario. And I hadn't toured anywhere. I hadn't gone anywhere before. This is the first time. And one of the songs for a, the band This Time Goodbye at the time I looked at the keyboard player and the song started with it's so quiet in here and i just looked at the keyboardist and it said hey jared it's so quiet in here isn't it and like 300 people started singing the song before we even played oh, cool. it oh cool and i went 
oh, okay, you guys know the song, then let's start. <laughs> and then we just played, and I'd never experienced that before. It was it was a really cool sensation to have. And I, I've had that numerous times since, where like me and two, three hundred people are all just singing the songs together. And those are even better for me than the times I've played in front of 10,000. So let's talk about your evidence-based vocal coaching Mm -hmm. and what that means and who you can help. So basically with evidence-based voice teaching, with a lot of vocal coaches, and this is something that I hear quite often from people who come to see me, is that I've seen vocal coaches in the past and for whatever reason, whatever they said to them, they just couldn't quite understand some of the things they were asking them to do. So for certain things, people will say things like, sing from the diaphragm which is great, but no one has any idea what that actually means. Like, what is that physically supposed to do? When in actuality, you can't sing from the diaphragm. That's not a thing you can do. The diaphragm is a passive muscle. What ends up happening is you are singing more from the abdomen than you are from the diaphragm. But you'll get a lot of these people that have, they'll come in and they'll say like, oh yeah, this reminds me of when my coach said, uh, open up like you're a flower blossoming in spring. And they're like, I don't know what that means physically. <laughs> I don't know how to do that. Uh, so what evidence-based voice teaching does is it breaks everything down anatomically, really helps to make sense of each individual piece, muscle, everything that the body needs to do so you can get a sensation of the feeling. And this will help people for professional singers. I've helped people who have come back from surgery, uh, vocal cord surgery, for people who have autism one of the things that they struggle with is uh, sensory based things they can't actually sense things in their body so you start to break down the mechanics of it so they can start getting a a feel or even just an understanding of what's happening and that's the whole concept of evidence-based voice teaching very cool well you've already got us down the path on screamo Mm -hmm. i've been writing and playing for about 30 years and i still sound like a drunken sailor (laughs) so what would be your uh, your best advice for somebody like me Embrace it. Love it. Do it. Uh, It depends. When you sing like a drunken sailor, does it hurt? Sometimes. Mm. (laughs) So that could end up being down to one of two things. That could end up being the fact of using utilizing too much breath pressure to help support when you're trying to hit higher things or be more energetic or it could be the fact that the vocal folds themselves are not pressy enough there's a concept called pressy to breathy where the vocal folds will come together with enough pressure in order to support higher more beltier notes or they're looser in their closure so that way they come off more breathy and i find what a lot of people will do is when they go up for higher belt notes they'll be less pressy because they think if they if the Uh, vocal folds close harder that's going to intensify the strain they'll feel when in fact it won't in reality it's the stronger closure and less air pressure that really helps to balance everything out so that's probably going to be a piece of it man look at that this is a guy who knows what he's talking about people I have a I have obsessively studied it for a number of years. So the website is registersmusic.com, correct, correct? To learn more about that. Yes. Who do you think are some of the best singers right now? In in alternative or anything? Anything. I want to hear it. Give us anything. You know what? Ariana Grande is phenomenal inside and out. I've seen people go go and see her and and she's tight the whole way. Adele's getting better. At one point in time, she was doing things that kind of pushed her a little bit too hard and uh, yeah. injured herself, but uh, she's starting to get a little bit better there. It really comes down to that. You do also get Brendan Urie from Panic at the Disco. 
mm. from back in the day. Like his, his chops are pretty powerful and they're pretty balanced across the board. But one of the more miraculous ones that uh, recently, the person who's kind of like the founder of evidence-based voice teachers, a guy named Ingo Tietze, he did a vocal scope, uh, a stroboscopy of a guy from the band Lorna Shore. It's a metal screamo band. Uh, okay. uh, uh, Will Ramos is his name. And they watched what his vocal folds did and his false chords did when he was doing all of his all of his screams. And his vocal track actually like twists when he gets some of them oh. down. And it was just miraculous to watch. So it's like those ones are, are top of the level right now. And then who's the most overrated? <laughs> <laughs> who's the most overrated? Don't yeah. worry. None of them listen to this yeah. show. <laughs> it's hard to narrow down. <laughs> Yeah, because, you know, I always, because Ann Wilson from Heart, I've always loved the way she sang. And then I took vocal lessons. I'm in radio, uh, mm -hmm. barely, but I do like news. And I used to be on alternative radio. And I've always wanted to sing, but I have zero talent. So I took these uh, lessons, but then I brought that up. He was like, she's horrible. And I was like, oh, okay. I still like yeah, her. It's well, it depends on like the concept of, of overrated. Like if if it comes down to like skill based, that that's one thing. But what they might lack in skill, they might have in entertainment value. There's a band that I absolutely love named Monine. They're out of Canada here. Their entertainment value is through the roof. Some of the best shows I've ever watched. They're not like completely flawless when they play. But when you're watching, you you couldn't care less when you're watching yeah. it and a part of that, right? If it comes to both of those, what's overrated? For me personally, I don't know. Billie Eilish is okay. Like, she's pretty cool. I'm not over the top enthralled by her. I felt that way about her first album. Her mm -hmm. last album, I thought, was uh, pretty spectacular. It is getting better. I enjoyed it quite a bit. It is yeah. getting better. But when, when they were playing her all over everything, alternative and pop radio, and they were like, this is the best. I'm like, I, I'm not seeing it yet. And of course, it was her first album. So she's still trying to like yeah. trying to find herself. But I just at that time, I hadn't seen it yet. To me, there is a distinct difference between a technically proficient singer and a great singer in that one that I enjoy. For example, and, and I'm sorry, I'm going to offend Canadians everywhere. I would rather listen to Yoko Ono like about a million times <laughs> over uh, Celine Dion. Oh. <laughs> I think both are torture. But I, oh. Yoko Ono, come on now. Come on. Enough. <laughs> I think you, you, that might be uh, our age, though. I think we've all heard enough of My Heart Will Go On that uh, we're done with Celine Dion for a good long time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, like, you know, proficient. Her skills are just are unbelievable. They're solid. I'm sure they are, but no soul. I find her offensive. Yeah? Offensive, I'll say. <laughs> wow. Offensive, dear sir. Yes. Uh, the passion in that. Brett. yeah it's crazy it, it comes down to like the emo and punk side of me where what shows soul to me is like the connectivity you have with the audience and you're moving around and stuff i am not a big fan of of sitting in a seat and watching someone stand there and yeah. sing and then they'll walk to like one side of the stage and stand there and then they'll walk to the other side i like watching the person be into it and moving around and doing things and being with the crowd. And it's one of those things where I don't know if you guys feel the same, but it's that difference between being in a crowd of like 500 people versus like 10,000. There is definitely a different feel with those 500 people, entirely different atmosphere. 
uh, very connected, very community-based, and it's just a whole different experience. And it's why a lot of artists who get really big say one of the downsides to it is that they don't experience that so much anymore. Yeah, some of the best shows I've seen have been in small clubs. I mean, I think if you're going to be in that kind of, you know, huge stadium type arena environment, sometimes, you know, if you get like these massive sing-alongs where the lighters are going mm -hmm. and, you know, you have 10,000 people singing in unison, that's pretty powerful. But in general, seeing some of those bigger shows just, yeah, does not have the same emotional connection. I agree. And I've seen bands in, in smaller and then seen them in the larger and... It, probably because I've seen them in the smaller, but it was just I had a I had a more connective experience with that. Plus, it's great when you could like you know see him eye to eye. One time, I saw David Bowie in Chicago in a little club, and uh, you know he's kicking like these uh, literally like beach balls, but they were the eyeballs part of the stage show, kicking them into the crowd and people throwing them back. It's like they're playing ball. Um, yeah, small venues are so much better to see these bands. Our top five punk singers now. How did you do your list? Both of you, probably for you, Matt, it's about the technicality and it's about, you know, the craft. But then again, with punk singers, it's also about the attitude and the, you know, visual too. So yep. I just picked who I liked. And so hopefully uh, you guys won't point and laugh at my list. That's what I'm hoping. Not at all. Oh, no, we will always point. Yeah, I figured <laughs> we reserve that right. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way, Greg, though, that technical proficiency. I mean, I've already outed myself in, in that regard, that it doesn't mean a, a lot to me. I appreciate technical singers, but especially when we're talking about something that's as raw and uh, visceral as punk rock, a certain amount of that gets thrown out the window. I don't want to call myself an emo historian, but I will. In like all of that time that I've, that I've studied over the years who they were inspired by were never like the most technically proficient singers. One of the ones that came up quite often that that is one of the ones on my list was Weezer. Not the most technically proficient, perfect singer, but inspired so many. And it's perfectly suited for the material. Yeah, it doesn't matter if it's perfect. It does suit that material perfectly. You could not picture Celine Dion singing the sweater song. I cannot. Uh, <laughs> well, that's when Weezer first came out. I remember because Rick Ocasek was the producer and I was so excited. And then, of course, I was working at an alternative radio station at the time and the sweater song came on. God, and to think that's 27 years ago, 28 years like ago 28, now. 28 years wow. ago. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Brett, you're getting old, dude. If you want to destroy. <laughs> See, now I'm picturing Celine Dion singing the sweater song. <laughs> oh, please, no. <laughs> oh, say it ain't so. <laughs> ah, bada bing. Bada bing. Bada bing. Bada bing. Uh, who wants to go first this week, Gregory? Well, I can go first if you'd like. Okay. And then we'll make Matt the meat in the middle. Matt, you're the meat in the middle. So you go second. Oh, I'll be the sandwich, sure. It's an honor. Yeah. I'll Trust us. Well, kicking off my list of the top five punk singers, if I said that correct, punk singers. Did I say pump singers? Punk or pump, one of the two. Yeah, okay, good. Okay, well. Um, there, there's going to be lots of pumping going on. All right. Well, for sure. Yeah, that, that's that's the blood in my head right now. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, the singer, he's from a band, probably didn't reach the level. Some of their Seattle grunge buddies did, but they made significant contributions to grunge and punk music. The band, Mud Honey. My number five singer, Mark Arm. I just think uh, the very first time you hear uh, Touch Me, I'm sick. And, and I don't know if that's technical or not, his singing voice, but it moved me the first time. Yeah, I didn't think it was. But uh, <laughs> Touch Me, I'm sick. And now I will put it up in my upper cheeks 
when I try and sound like Mark Arm. <laughs> uh, thank you, Matt. And so um, he's just one of the godfathers of grunge. The band is, he is. Uh, so um, I had to put him in the conversation for the best punk singers, Mark Arm of Mudhoney. Absolutely. Very cool. Oh, good. And just very much rooted in 60s garage and mm-hmm. the Stooges and those snotty, snarling singers. Yeah. Matt, number five for you. Number five. Uh I had, okay, so I had to put this one in. Uh, I didn't listen to them a ton, but they were like the start of emo, uh, Fugazi. Yeah. Fugazi. They were a a big start to the whole emo and then screamo uh, concept of of what kind of came out into the, into the nineties and then, and then further on. Um, And still to this day, uh, I've worked with artists where I'm like, oh, who's one of your influences? And they'll say them to this day. You know, we always see music take a re-return every number of years. So I'm seeing a lot of things kind of have like a 90s flair right now. Modern Baseball is one of those bands right at the moment. The start of it all for that, that was Fugazi. Ian McKay, I believe. Yes. Yes. Okay. So my number five is going to be the late, great Mark E. Smith from the fall. Mm. And I'm definitely not a fall authority. I have to be in a particular and peculiar mood to listen to them. But their catalog is also so vast that there was no possible way that I was ever going to keep up with them. (laughs) I love Mark E. Smith. I don't even know if I'll say I, I love his voice, but he possessed one of the very recognizable voices in punk rock and there's a great description that critic simon reynolds where he says he has a one note delivery somewhere between amphetamine spiked rant and alcohol addled yam <laughs> i like that yeah Four jobs in holland munich rome is thick but he struck it rich switch the commune crap He was a poet, a troublemaker, an iconoclast who railed against, well, just about anything and everything, with influences ranging from Cannes' Demo Suzuki and Captain Beefheart to Iggy Pop. Smith's words were often veiled and cryptic, but he relied on the fall's repetitive musical attack to really drive his lyrical point home. Even if he didn't necessarily understand what was going on, he could sell you on every word whether you wanted to buy it or not. Listen to something like 1979's debut album, Live at the Witch Trials, and then listen to it back to back with their final album from 2017, New Facts Emerge, and you'll instantly see that he was not a man who believed in compromise. Until his death in early 2018, he remained thorny, obstinate, a curmudgeon, but you know, I mean, he was that way in his 20s too, so that's all good. His vocal blueprint, I mean, you hear it in 90s bands like Sonic Youth, 
even Elastica. But I actually hear his influence more today in bands like Sleaford Mods and Yard Act. I mean, there's kind of a resurgence of that kind of talk singing aggression. So that's my number five, Mark E. Smith. Love it. Thank you. Yeah. And I love Sleaford Mods too. Are you familiar with Yard Act, Greg? No, I am not. Okay, if you like Sleaford Mods, you will enjoy Yard Act. Writing it down right now. Homework already. I find Matt. them a little more, uh, <laughs> like, musically a little more post-punk than Sleaford Mods, but still kind of the same general thing. Yeah, kind of like he'll spit on your windshield and then tell you to piss I believe off. he would. Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> Probably. I like bands yes. like that. That's for sure. Because, like, I don't have, like, you know, this, like, technical background with punk to know, like, oh, well, they influenced this and they influenced that. I just pick my list with like my gut of people. When mm -hmm. I hear their songs, I say, that's that guy or that's that woman. And um, yeah. I just like what I hear. So that's why at number four, I'm picking a guy who's been the only constant member of this punk band out of LA. This guy sings about politics, society, the media, science, and religion. And he's also an evolutionary biologist. Any ideas? Evolutionary. Greg Graffin of Bad Religion. Uh See, when I was looking this, I was going through Wikipedia and I thought it was so cool because in his Wikipedia, he has an academics tag right next mm -hmm. to his discography tag. And so I'm like, that's cool. You always get this like people think um, like Sully from Godsmack. He dropped out of high school and, you know, everyone's going to drop out of high school and start a band and become a rock star. I have worked in radio now for a long, long time, and I am shocked of the advanced degrees that a lot of the singers have. Like, look at Matt. Matt's smart. You know, he was a singer in a band towards, you know, slept in the back of the uh, vans and did all mm -hmm. that stuff. Guess what happens? They're smart. I have a migraine. So this is where if 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 if, <laughs> if I'm feeling disjointed to you, it's not you. It's totally me. Oh, I didn't notice a difference. <laughs> yeah, I know. So what I'm trying to say, though, is that like most successful people, they're successful in many aspects of their life. And look mm -hmm. at Greg Graffin. I mean, he's went to he became a huge rock star. Bad Religion is iconic band influences mm -hmm. music to this day. And uh, he got an advanced degree and can teach in college. I just think that's cool. And he's a punk rocker that looks like a college professor. Yeah, yeah, kind of does. Do you guys remember the band Mudvayne? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I think every one of those members are in Mensa. They're members oh, wow. of Mensa. Really? Yeah, and I think it's all in mathematics. They're they're like extremely Whoa. smart. Yeah. Wow. And then remember they showed up to the MTV Music Awards with like the bullet holes in them? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was my favorite. Yeah. Yes. And then wasn't uh, the lead singer of that band also with... Um, Vinnie Paul from Pantera. What was the name of the band? The recent one. You could say anything right now. Oh, God. Make up something. I'm, I'm not good with names, Matt. And Lothar and the Hand People. <laughs> no, it was the one. Um, they just, uh, you know, Vinnie Paul, his last band, right when he died. Hold on for one second. I'll have to look it up now. Yeah, I don't think I know this. We'll, we'll edit in this Google break. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see here. Uh, do, 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 do. Damage. No, Damage Plan was the other one. Um, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Right? Hell oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, wasn't that the guy from Mudvayne, the lead singer of that? I, I don't know. Chad I know, Gray? I, I know the band. Is that Baby? Brought to you by Google. Yeah, Chad, Chad Gray, Gray is his name. Yeah, and when you yeah. look at him and his like mohawk and the way how they would 
God, Mudvayne and their mathematic people. But hey, that's music too. Music is math, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and that's that's what they always used to say. They always used to say like they'd base their songwriting on like mathematical equations. <laughs> it's yeah, like a, that is true math rock. Mm-hmm. Legit. <laughs> <laughs> I just love their uh, image. And when they came to MTV with bullet holes in them, that was bomb. <laughs> I don't recall that. <laughs> no, well, th- this I don't think Mudvayne's for you. Wherever you are. <laughs> Sorry, Matt. Are you, are you thinking of Celine Dion singing in Mudvayne now? Is that what's happening? Yes, I am. <laughs> okay. How did you know? It, but I don't know any Mudvayne songs, so I, <laughs> I can't do my rendition. Uh, I am definitely, uh, you know, trying to get more diaphragm in there. Yeah, yeah but dig. Yeah. That song, Dig, is so good. I was going to say. It starts yeah. off with that bass line. Dun, dun, ding, dun, dun, ding. Oh, yeah. See, but that's not, <laughs> it, it definitely, Brett's, that's not Brett's cup of tea. <laughs> no, I'm I'm far more fruity than that. That's yeah. all right. He's yeah no it's good he he's like a wine cooler and that's more like a whiskey cooler. right sure I became much more emo in my older years but when I first started there's that TikTok trend right now about teenage dirtbag where you go back to your teenage yeah. dirtbag oh, years yeah. this is a great medium for an audio podcast but you guys can see it I had a so terrible not, teenage yeah. dirtbag phase wow look at that is that a slipknot shirt that is a slipknot shirt yes yeah wow that was like way back in the day were you a juggalo i was not i never got into that that realm there's still time for you there's still time i guess number four right it was hard for for me to narrow it down to five i found it very difficult i was able to narrow it it down to 12 and then going from there it's off off the cuff i had to throw weezer in weezer is is one of those bands that uh has inspired so many like I said, out of all the bands that I like, when you look at their influences, one that has so many uh, in common is Weezer being one of their influences. So that was that was my four. River Cuomo. Mm-hmm. Rivers Cuomo. Did I say his name wrong already? Is it Rivers, rivers? or Rivers? R- rivers. rivers. Mm-hmm. Oh, Rivers. Multiple. So. He's multiple Rivers. Okay. Yeah. And now That's he's gone on to be a producer and a songwriter for a whole bunch of people. But he too went to Harvard. Yeah. He did. Yeah. Yeah. See another, another smart person putting out mm-hmm. music. See kids stay in school. Do <laughs> good in, in math. Remember, Matt, maybe you're too young for this, but, you know, Mr. T? Uh, yeah. Be cool. Stay in school. You remember all yeah. those, like, after school things that we have to watch? Now, I don't even yeah. know if they have them. I didn't see those when I was younger, uh, but I do I do know of them. Well, I pity the fool. Yeah. <laughs> you mentioned Rivers Cuomo writing for other artists. One of my favorite monkey songs of all time is a Rivers Cuomo song. Mm. She Makes Me Laugh by the Monkeys. Great song written by Rivers Cuomo. Yeah. And, and he's such a again maybe not most technically but his songwriting skills are just incredible the the melodies he comes up with are incredibly catchy like out of every album that they have it it, you're hard pressed not to find at least one song that you like from every album that they've done up to this point and you can you definitely can see why they are such an influence to so many people and the new resurgence that they've kind of put out with their new albums and stuff being a little bit more rockier a little bit heavier and stuff like that is great but like 
ah, there's just nothing like Say It Ain't So or Sweater Song or anything like that back in yeah. the day. The Blue Album was great. Yeah, it was. I know they're doing EPs for each season right now. Mm-hmm. I haven't listened to those. I thought Van Weezer was okay. I really liked, you talked about them going heavier, but they stripped down for OK Human mm-hmm. in, when was that? Was that last year? Really acoustic and had an orchestra backing them. I thought that that was really good. Yeah. Yeah, and we, we also can't dismiss the uh africa cover we wouldn't dare i'm waiting for my heart will go on next (laughs) you better be careful for what you wish for (laughs) but i would like to hear weezer do it though (laughs) i would not put it past them oh that'd be great and it'd probably be the best it's ever sounded i bet my number four is Susie sue whose early punk era performances will leave you (laughs) spellbound (laughs) yuck yuck pardon the pun Susie was capable of bellowing, shrieking, and howling with an intensity that could put her male counterparts to shame, but also could produce these moments of pure beauty and tenderness. And, you know, I think a lot of that had to do, she had a very tormented childhood. I was reading about it this morning. It just blew me away. She grew up in the suburbs of of London, and, uh, you know, there was this certain, like, keeping up of appearances while she was living with an alcoholic father, and I heard that she um, was sexually assaulted by a stranger when she was nine, which is just, I mean, as, as the father of a daughter, that is absolutely horrifying to me. But I think it did give her vocal delivery, a dark energy, paranoia, and anger. And I know that Debbie Harry predated Susie by a good year or two, but I know that uh, Debbie was also heavily indebted to her pre-punk past. I think when Susie came on the scene, she didn't look like anybody else. She didn't sound like anybody else. And that inspired legions of women in punk, post-punk, and what would eventually be known as goth. Like many of the bands of the era who didn't want to be painted as just one thing, the Banshees outgrew punk rock pretty quickly, and they expanded their sound to something more twisted, ethereal, psychedelic. But her imprint on punk rock is absolutely indelible, so that's uh, my number four. I like it. That's a good pick. Good pick. Thank you. Made my honorable mention list. It's always good to uh, represent the, the female singers in this industry. There are so many that go unnoticed. Um, yeah, that have have paved the way for so many great things. Right now, we're we're seeing Haley Williams from Paramore and how many influences that uh, the newer artists now are pulling from. Billie Eilish pulls from her. That girl who wrote the song "Driver's License," Olivia Rodrigo. Olivia Rodrigo. You know, and Haley is is such an unbelievable powerhouse. Just technically sound through and through the whole way. Yeah. But I miss 2007 Paramore. Oh, that, that, you know, yes. with Crush, 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 and right. And then, you know, now it's like, I don't know, they got on the bandwagon of like, let's sit on the dove's wing as if, you know, floats through the air. You know, I want drums, bass, guitar. I don't want, you know, they kind of got into, remember that, that they, for that movie with uh, Jennifer Lawrence, Hunger Games, was it? Or was it one of those? Was it Twilight? Yeah, Twilight. There you go. I, Matt, obviously, I don't watch a lot of movies, especially those <laughs> Twilight, you know. Wasn't that the one where there's like the uh, werewolf? I believe and, it was uh, the song Decode that yes, they did for, for that movie, yes. And that, was, okay. and that was the fork in the road where they went, what? 
<laughs> but I do like their later stuff, like when they had um, Good Times or Hard Times. Mm-hmm. Hard Times. That's yeah. a great song. I love that. Yeah. That came out like, what, 2018, 17? Something. I think one of the things that kind of steered that was uh, uh, they split with their original guitar player. So it was Haley and the guitar player that were the original songwriters in the beginning. And everything had like a really, it had crush, crush, crush style things. Mm-hmm. And then once he decided that he was just kind of over it and, and left, that's when I think they were trying to push for more of the pop stuff. He wasn't into it. And once he was out of the band, it kind of just, it let go of that anchor that was keeping them in that punker side. Mm-hmm. And they yeah. just, they flew into the direction of the pop side. Right. I blame B.O.B. <laughs> After she did airplanes, Airplane? it was all... You know, it was all pop from there. Actually, I I say that and I prefer the later Paramore stuff. Well, then, you know, the drummer and the guitarist were brothers. And then, mm-hmm. but that drummer came back. Yeah. Because so, he left with his brother at that one time. I can't tell you their names, but yeah. he used to pound those those drums hard in the early days. Oh, yeah. See, again, that was another opportunity where you could have told us anything. We would have believed you. <laughs> it was Bob and Bill Cratchit. Nah, yeah. Cr- I don't know what their names were. I'm always bad with names. I'm bad with everything. Just listen to some of these episodes, Matt. It's established. The <laughs> older I get, I'm going to be 37 yeah. next month. And uh, I don't know what happens, but at 35, it's like you hit this crossover where suddenly you just wake up and your back starts hurting and you can't remember anything anymore. I don't know what happened. I just turned 48 last week, so I know the feeling and then some. Wow, wow, wow. I'm old. I'm older than both of you, so shut the hell up. You are. <laughs> proven it with my cankerous i take great pleasure in that (laughs) all right so we're taking a look at our top five punk singers i don't know where this podcast is going thus far straight to the diaphragm i'll tell you we learned you don't sing from the diaphragm it's It's your yeah see matt will tell you (laughs) it's all abdominal abdominal and it's all about control from your jaw (laughs) i'm gonna practice that how was that that was a little bit yeah, that was something. Yeah, that was a thing. A little pitchy. That was a yeah. thing. A little pitchy, dog. But um, <laughs> besides that, all right. <laughs> well, I feel like by the end of this podcast, we're gonna end up making a metal cover of uh, "My Heart Will Go On." I think this was gonna happen. All right. Okay. Deal. Needless to say, we're in. <laughs> Greg's headache may not be. No. Uh, well, it's it, it'll go away. Maybe if I get the screaming, it'll vibrate something in the brain. Knock something yeah. loose. Um, and then, screaming. Yeah. Might, might help. All right. Enough of this. We have to go to break, and then we'll come back and continue our list of the top five punk singers. It's coming up after this. This is Vanessa Briscoe Hay, and you're listening to the Only Three Lads podcast. And now, from today's special guest, Matt Dell, and his 2010s band, I've Got Gloria, here's Better Now from their EP, Rebuilt.
We are back once again. Thank you so much for joining us. It's the Only Three Lads podcast. Don't forget, head over to our Facebook page. Make sure and follow us, like us, uh, hit the notification bell, whatever you got to do. And please tell your friends about this. We want to bring more people to the party because we learn so much off each other. Like uh, just everything. Like now I have a new band that I have to go and look this afternoon. Yard Act, because I'm a Sleaford mod guy. Check out the song Rich first. First one? Rich. Rich. Yeah. yeah. Like like rich as in money or like a guy named Rich? Rich as in money. Okay. It's still spelled the same, so I'll still. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get it. Okay. Yeah. And then, of course, we have Matt. Hi. He's our third lad this week. He's been very patient with us. I have no idea how this podcast is going thus far. I'm on major uh, Excedrin. Um, and, uh, you know, I feel good, but sweaty. My improv comedy background that I have is is coming in handy. It's fine. Oh, thank goodness. Thank God someone's got Ooh, it. We're glad somebody has those jobs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it ain't. A, well, Greg, you've done stand-up before. I've I never have. done a bit of stand-up, but I have made a whole uh, lifetime of being a general clown. I'm more of an improv comedian. I, I got a scholarship to Second City in Toronto, and I did improv comedy there for a while. And Ooh. I tried stand-up comedy. The second time I went and did stand-up comedy... The, it was a long bar, and it was. Uh, I told my joke, and it was so quiet that I could hear the other person at the end of the long bar look at their friend and go, "This guy's really bad." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'll kill you. Like you, you have to bomb to get good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, getting there is really soul searching. And the reason why I liked stand up, and maybe one day I'll go back to it. But the reason why I liked it because it's all you. You know, like you can mm-hmm. have like people you write with, but when you're up there. It's all up to you. And the great thing about it, too, is either you got it or you don't. So there's no nepotism. There's nothing like that. You got it or you don't. And uh, it's amazing, too, when you see people start off and they get to like a certain level. Like I'm sure you have done that with maybe some of your uh, vocal students mm-hmm. where you see them start here. And then all of a sudden, you know, they're up there and it's like, wow, I knew that guy when. Yeah, uh, there was a guy I did stand up with and uh, he got on. What was that zombie TV show that everyone liked? Walking Dead. I zombie. Walking Dead. Walking Dead. I yeah. Zombie. yeah. <laughs> so he was a stand up. Now then he's he's been on that show. Is it even still a thing? Walking Dead. I don't know. I've never seen the show. I haven't, I haven't either. either. What about Game of Thrones? No. Never saw it. Same. Never seen that either. Yeah. Oh boy. And then whatever the dragon, the new one in that everyone's like, oh, still haven't. you got to see. Yeah, I haven't seen a second nope. of it. No. And Star Wars, never seen it. Oh, my God. Who are you? <laughs> As we know. <laughs> However, every episode of Boy Meets World, seen them all. Me too. Whoa. Oh, my what God. What a great show. You throw me Boy Meets World, Saved by the Bell, mm-hmm. Family Matters. I mean, I love me some Urkel. Are you listening to their rewatch podcast right now? Yes, I am. Oh, it's, it's very good. I'm enjoying it. Quite enjoyable. Mm-hmm. They make a good team. They do. Old uh, Mark, Paul, and Dashiell. <laughs> wow. Well, that moment of nerding out brought to you by Hurley. Is <laughs> that you're wearing the hat? That's the only reason why I couldn't think. Oh, of I am. You're, yeah. you're right. Yes. Huh. Product placement. There you go. Wow. So I've never seen uh, Boy Meets World. I remember it, mm-hmm. um, but I don't really recall much of the show. Oh, it's a great show. They're doing they're doing their rewatch podcast right now, and it's it's been great. That's right. Uh, Topanga, yeah. is doing it right. Uh, Topanga, uh, Sean, and Eric, and and their their biggest fear was they were afraid it was going to ruin the show for everybody because apparently their experience on the show was a nightmare, and uh, it, it's very interesting to see their side of it. But I digress. This is about as punk as you could possibly <laughs> yeah. get right here, right now. <laughs> Let's talk about punk music and. 
you know, pasties and electrical tape over nipples and boy meets world. You get it all. You get it all in the only three let's podcast. Well, let's go to my number three. Let's move on from uh, this right now. But uh, I can't pretend that I know much about this band or the singer. Uh, this is uh, an English punk band that formed in 1979 in Bristol. Vice Squad. You guys know Vice Squad? Yes, I do. Yes. Yes. I figured you would, Brett. But the singer, Becky Bondage, I think she's an incredible singer. She makes me mm -hmm. feel things in all parts of my body, my heart, and other parts too. Even though she was in this band in 1979, you know, she's got to be in her 60s at least now, if not in it. Um, she still looks amazing. She still sounds amazing. I really need to know more about her. But Becky Bondage, that's my number three this week for my top five punk singers. I was not expecting that one. Yeah, well, because I I wanted to get a female because there's a lot of great females. It's like what Matt was saying, you, there's a lot of mm -hmm. a lot of. And, and Matt, we talk about this all the time. We tend to listen to more female artists than male artists, mm -hmm. uh, just because it's nowadays. Yeah, and because um, you know, like if I were Crystal or you know, oh, I banged her. Okay, great. You know, there's more to this life than not really, but I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like at least the women sing about things. You know, yeah. guys think right. about you when know. when that is your life when Crystal and and banging whatever is your life as it is as i know it is greg you know you want to experience the other side when it comes to art right well i just i don't know it's like more emotional i guess maybe for me like meg right. myers i can't get enough of her right now so i'm going back into her catalog this like the song desire i've only listened to that like about i don't know fifteen thousand times this week because all the male artists it's all the same crap they're like singing to like mm -hmm. girls you know teenage girls and it's like you know, I'm a real sensitive guy and I, you know, you're the only one and all that horse shit, you know? I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I found Screamo that in, interlude in the, in I've got Gloria. It was one of those bands that when we did that first album, it was great. Then when we were starting to kind of work on the second album before, before we kind of dismantled, I was like, I really want to change up the writing style. I, f I feel it's weird to be 28 years old and singing about like, your high school crush <laughs> yeah, like i don't yeah. i don't care about that stuff anymore like that doesn't matter to me anymore like what matters now is uh i don't know uh all brand cereal and politics <laughs> i don't know whatever whatever adults like <laughs> whatever 28 year olds are into like all brand <laughs> well you know matt what was the label like i mean because like as you dig it older and wanted to make that transition were they like yeah were they like whoa you know this is the genre you need to talk about beer and partying and you know, that sort of thing, because you have the your demographics, you know, that's like you could always tell a radio station when they're young because the commercials, it's uh, for, you know, people who are probably, you know, the younger pop stuff, you know, they're selling mm -hmm. uh, they're selling what are beer, alcohol and engagement rings, mm -hmm. you know, and then you get older then it's uh, gold, you know, when you get to the older uh, demographics. So what was the record label like when you're like, hey, I don't want to talk about my high school crush. I want to talk about, you know, the deforestation of the Israeli occupation of, you know, whatever that, you know, you're into. Guys, hear me out. I want to do a concept record about Boy Meets World. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, who knew? They don't take to it very well. They don't like change um, yeah. very well. They don't like taking something that works and then not doing that anymore. I, you know, for me, I like writing what matters to me. When I was younger, yeah, those things mattered. But as I got older, I became, I don't know if it's because 
I became more educated or more crotchety. It was one of the two, but I became more political as I became older. And those were things I really wanted to talk about. And in their minds, they're like, well, you know, great and all, but uh, it doesn't sell records to 15 year olds. Yeah. And I said, I was like, well, first of all, I beg to differ on that one because what is it? Gen Z, they are doing a lot of revolutions right at the moment. They're making a lot of changes for a number of things. But at the same time, what does that matter? And why can't we educate and expose people to those kind of things? Why do we have to cater to this Mm -hmm. one concept? Because that's how you just end up with the same bland stuff over and over and over again. Record executives have long insulted the intelligence of the younger generation. Yeah, it's it's a true songwriting technique that record companies will teach you that your lyrics must be at a second to third grade reading level. Yeah, about Interesting. that. So Matt, if you were going to write a song today, what would be your the topic that you would like to write about? I hate the only three last podcasts. <laughs> Why did I agree? Why did I agree? Why did I agree? <laughs> Topanga! <laughs> All brand. Um, uh, I've been kind of working on one a little bit over the last couple of years, maybe like year. And uh, a lot of it is is based on a few different things. It's based on my past to not go into massive detail and, and be the captain bring down. I lost my older brother when I was younger. And mm-hmm. that kind of change of how much that grows you, that causes you to grow up really quick. And numerous times over my life i've been told they're like oh you know for your age you're a very wise person and they would say you know that's a good thing and it's like is it like it is sort of but having to grow up that fast was was a lot to deal with um so that's like that's part of it becoming you know my my son's four now but becoming a father was a real big life change and even our political standings like these are all things that i've been kind of just starting to come up with more ideas and just writing more stuff about and and as we get older the nice thing is is we can afford therapy <laughs> so hey speak for yourself <laughs> i we, more we, we live in the u.s we don't have socialized medicine well that's true they just throw pills at us and say you know <laughs> take two of these and walk slow yankee true. that's true although ontario it's questionable this moment but uh, yeah, as you start to process more things, you, you start to realize some of your quirks about yourself and why they are the way they are. Being a people pleaser and getting into being a comedian and liking making liking to make people laugh. Uh, they say one of the reasons why people become a comedian is because they also end up being the saddest people and they know what it's like to be sad. So they don't want other people to feel sad. I think Robin Williams says that. It's really starting to just kind of dive into who I've always been as I'm starting to get in touch with that and just writing about that aspect of it. Man, you're so mature. I know. <laughs> so wise for my age. Yeah, you're wise. So wise for your age, man. <laughs> um, this is the last lyric that I wrote, and I already told this one to probably Brett last week. And I don't know where it came from because I'm reading this book by Jeff Tweedy, How to Write One Song. You ever hear of that book? Mm. Jeff Tweedy, he's from Wilco. But anyways, Mm -hmm. so he goes through, you know, songwriting. And um, I don't know if I, I don't listen to country music, but this is totally country music. And maybe I got uh, some motivation from that Applebee's song, which I don't know, but I know it's some crappy song about, it's it's a country song. Like Mm. Brett's looking, people know it. But anyway, so I wrote (laughs) this. (laughs) And this is, this is, you say that you go into your soul and find out things about you. But um, I want a girl with a ball cap 
yoga pants drinks her beer out of a can. So I think I'm looking for some white trash. What do you think? It's very telling. <laughs> it's whatever your heart desires. Uh, I want yeah. one of everything. How's that? <laughs> your heart will go on. Yeah. One way True. or another. And where are we? Oh, yeah. We're talking about our top five punk singers this week. We've gone off the rails. It's totally my fault. I apologize. Started this with a little bit of a migraine headache. It's been lifting. But um, the brain cells, uh, they have been damaged. I think the DNA in those uh, cells are uh, trying to repair themselves at this moment. So we are totally off uh, the rails. And it's all my fault. I will take responsibility. Let's think of it as a social experiment. Is yes. this a normal thing that happens on the pot? It goes off the rails all the time, or is this a just a specialty oh, with me? Yeah, about 99.7% uh, of the time. Good. We always are like, okay, we'll start with this. The thing is, usually we rely on guests to ground us, which I, I have to say, you know, no offense, Matt, you're doing a terrible job. That's a me. terrible, yeah. don't don't expect me to ground you because I, I will go, I'm a flight risk is what I am. So I will Fantastic. take us through the air. I guess I should name my number four. Oh, yeah. I think you're at number three, right? Yeah, number three, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, number yeah, three. Yeah, number three. Ironically, we're all going in this direction. My number three was Avril Lavigne. Oh, yeah. Canadian-born, Ontario lady, was such a huge part of the punk rock scene back in the day and still prominent. Now, I think for a lot of the, the girls that I knew growing up, she gave people that permission to not care about what everybody else thinks how everybody else does things and just doing what it is you want to do when you want to do it i think that kind of role model was really necessary in that sense and uh you know the band was great uh she had a the bass player was from the band closet monster back in that day so like had really good uh, uh punk players in the band but ultimately she is uh she's fantastic all in all Yeah, when they marketed her to come out, she was like the anti-Britney because she wrote mm -hmm. her own songs. And when she first came out, I knew that she did not write Complicated because that song was way too mature for an 18. Now, she wrote Skater Boy. Yes. All, you know, Skater Boy, See You Later Boy. Yeah, she wrote that song. But I just remember that and then Complicated, they kind of made it, uh, oh, she wrote this song. And then when it all broke that there was an army of writers and mm -hmm. she probably said, life's so complicated. Oh, let's go with that. And then that was her contribution. <laughs> Because the song was way too old for a 16 or 17 year old, yeah. right? Well, and that's a lot of how it works, too. I mean, it, it, there is a lot of writing by committee. And if somebody sure. comes up with an idea, I think it's easier from a legal standpoint. I mean, everybody talks about this whole, you know, there's 24 writers on this Beyonce track. Well, there's probably not. It's probably somebody did most of the heavy lifting, but they were in a room and somebody came up with a line. Somebody came up with, you know, a baseline and they're like, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's just easier nowadays to, to do that. I think it's somewhat similar, isn't it, to like uh, uh, late show comedy rooms. Like it's just a whole bunch of people yeah. in a room and they're all just like pitching lines. And then there probably is someone who's doing more of the heavy lifting of like that final joke. Right. But it's that similar aspect. I get it. You know, people from past generations are like, oh, you know, real music. You know, we had one guy writing all the songs. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, don't discredit it. At the end, is the product good, right? I yeah. mean, is the song a good song? I agree. It's all that it's matters. Does everybody know about uh, the Avril Lavigne conspiracy theory? Oh, of course. This has been going on. For, I've, I work in a newsroom and the kids are still talking about it. 
Go ahead. Tell tell Brett this. Really? No, I would like to know this. The conspiracy theory is, is the fact that when the music changed, when she went a lot more pop, she really kind of changed this way more pop style. And the theory was, is that she died in like a car accident. (laughs) And instead of letting such like a, a, what the label would have considered a cash grab go, they replaced her with a lookalike. In interviews, she will get asked, are you the lookalike Avril who replaced the original? And she said, I think she said in one of them, she's like, if I was, why would I tell you? Good point. Yeah. Wow, it's Paul is dead all over it. It totally is. <laughs> and if you see like her earlier vocal styling and then they have like, here's mm-hmm. her new vocal styling, it's like she's much more high pitched. Yeah. Um, you know, she's become, maybe she trained and got to be a better singer. Well, she just got better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and, uh, but that's like some of the uh, conspiracy that she's actually dead. Mm-hmm. Now, I will tell you, she's not, she wasn't, like a lot of times when artists come to a radio station, they're happy to be there. They're thrilled. It's part of the fun, you know, that, you, and sometimes they get bored of it. But when I got to meet her, like people, you know, like when you're meeting Kid Rock, he's got his arms around you. Woo! You know, he's having a good time. Avril Lavigne was like, <laughs> you know, she was just like that. Little, uh, uh. And then I'll, it's the Lyme disease. Great. Right. Don't, well, don't judge. And then. I've told the story before, but one time, well, I met her a couple of times. So they they, uh, came, they brought her and she was going to do this acoustic thing. And I remember because we were setting up all the sound and the we, were, we had like the board and her manager walks up and he pots it all the way down her guitar. He's like, we're going to leave that right there. Okay. And we're like, got it. And then because she was like <laughs> acting like she was going to play guitar too. She may have been playing it, but you, you just couldn't hear it. But of course, then she had the uh, real guitarist next to her and she's singing all these acoustic songs. But she oh, is an amazing man. singer. She's great. That's yeah. funny. I'm no big Avril Lavigne fan, but I will say that she is somebody who every once in a while just comes up with this like super great, catchy pop song. Mm-hmm. I think like Girlfriend. And uh, I, I think probably my favorite was What the Hell. Oh, here's the thing, though. Girlfriend. Have you ever heard of the Rubenews? Of course. I want to be your boyfriend. Yes. Yes. Because they sued Avril for that song. Yeah. I mean, I want to be your boyfriend is the better song. <laughs> truth be told. Yes. But that's still a good one. It's still a good still one. Still a good one. All right. Number three for me, um, since we've been talking about Avril Lavigne, I'm going with Pete Shelley from Buzzcocks, which really has nothing to do with Avril Lavigne. <laughs> Pete Shelley showed that punk rockers could have a heart, and he definitely wore that heart firmly on his sleeve. He rapped his classic melodic love songs in buzzsaw punk and possessed an adenoidal upper register voice that cut through the superficial posturing of some punk rockers. His uh, vocals could impart humor, pathos, and lovelorn youthful angst. Probably the the person that predated him, I guess, was um, from the band Milk and Cookies, Justin Strauss. And you can definitely hear his stamp on a lot of singers after him people like Fergal Sharkey to Billy Joe Armstrong. He was an outsider who spoke to the misfit in all of us, intentionally making very personal songs, non-specific to gender, orientation, or any other social constructs or boundaries. He's one of my favorites, like Marky Smith. We lost him in 2018. I miss him greatly. 
he will never be forgotten though in my world. So number three, Pete Shelley. Nice. Four, Thank three, you. two, one. <laughs> Is that the song? Uh, no, that's wrong. That's the wrong singer. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that guy's German. You're thinking of uh, Major Tom, Peter Schilling. Oh, Peter Schilling. Yeah, yeah. And then... No, Pete Shelley from Buzzcocks. Yeah, I know. Mm. Yeah. It's all coming together. Again. He wasn't German. No. He was English, right? As far as we know. He was. Yeah. I think this is the thing that made it so hard with this podcast for like the top five punk singer. Like Buzzcocks, Planet Smashers. Like there's so many great... How I, I it, how can you narrow it down? Yeah, I know it breaks our heart each week. Sometimes what we have to leave <laughs> off, and then you, and then you go for the rest of the week thinking I should have put that on, should have took that <laughs> off, and then sometimes I come up with like Ace of Base, and then everyone hates me. But it, it passes. It passes. Yeah, it's, it's right. We only hate you temporarily. It just yeah, <laughs> it's just moments. It's not like weeks at a time. Until you bring Ace of Base up again, yes, it all uh, gets drudged up there you well, go that's right this week it's been celine dion so it's fine you're off the hook yeah, yeah exactly totally <laughs> but yeah our she's heart our ace of base of the week <laughs> <laughs> all right well hey uh when you close your eyes and you think punk singer my number two best punk singer should pop in your head of course johnny rotten john lyden sex pistols public image limited i mean he's the personality the image of a punk singer pissed off cantankerous has an opinion on everything. I am an anti-Christ. I am an anarchist. Don't know what I want, but I know how to get it. I want to destroy, possibly, because I want to be an And all the songs that he wrote pretty much are the template for punk songs to this day, so... I'm going with Johnny Rotten, John Lydon, my number two punk singer. Best of. Huh. Yeah, it's fantastic. This is one of those moments where you're like, oh, I should have thought of that. The Clash. That would have been one. I yeah, Joe Strummer, too. I know. That's, <laughs> I thought of him, too. Yeah, I definitely went with my list. The, the ones who both influenced bands that I liked and influenced me simultaneously. I was never the biggest Clash fan, but like they they're a huge part of what paved the way for everything and what's your favorite clash song gonna pick one I, honestly it's it's gonna be cliche it's london calling like oh see that's a good one though it's a great pick <laughs> it's a good one great one so my number two uh is canadian raised our lady peace oh yeah we used to play them a lot rain Maida. they were such a gigantic influence of everything i did over the years whether it was punk rock, whether it was pop rock, whether it was uh, acoustic. I did a Matt Dell music project that was acoustic. And constantly what I would get told is you sound like all of these things, but like a 90s rock feel. Even to the point where my wife had said to me, she's like, you know, you really like Rain Maida because you make all his faces that he does when he's on stage. Because <laughs> <laughs> he just gets really like weird and smiley. And she's like, you're doing the same thing. And, uh, that clumsy album was something that just changed my life. My my parents growing up, my dad played either Boston or the Carpenters all the time. Like that was always oh. what was going on in our house. And my mom loved a lot of just top 40 stuff, Seal and, and, and all that. But when I got my hands on clumsy, that was the album that just all of a sudden like, oh, there's a whole nother world.
Yeah, Superman's Dead is the song that we played on alternative radio here in the United States. And I know in Canada, they were way bigger. They got more airtime because there's certain mm -hmm. rules that Canadian acts have to be played a certain percentage on the radio stations. But they were a great band, and I know they were huge in Canada. Not so much huge in the States, but mm -hmm. should have been because they were a great band. Or still are. He's married to uh, um, Chantal Kreviatsik. And they have started a project called Moon versus Sun. It basically, it follows the story of their marriage. Their marriage went into a bit of a difficult bump in the road for a little bit. And they were taking marriage counseling. And while they were taking marriage counseling, they made this project and wrote these songs based yeah. off of that. And it's, it's quite moving. You forgot to pick up the kids. <laughs> Dishes in the sink. You left the toilet seat up. It, it's funny to watch the arguments between like people who first start dating and then people who've been married for numbers of years like people who first start yeah. dating like you forgot to text me back and then now it's just like why are your socks on the couch <laughs> you know it would make a great album in itself <laughs> yeah i am not the one to talk about relationships so if you ever listen to any of the past episodes matt you'll see why <laughs> i go into detail about my uh, mistakes your mistakes Oh, uh, my yeah. wife and I have been together now for 16 years at this oh, point. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, you were young and you're going to turn 37. So you're like 21. Yes. When we first met. Yeah. You are wise beyond your years. Stability at <laughs> yeah. 21 and in a band touring wife. Wow. Look at you. Yeah. It was funny because we actually just recently reminisced about her past. And she had said, she's like, you know, I saw your band before I met you. And I was like, oh, that's cool. There's a band this time goodbye. I was like, what'd you think? She's like, I thought you looked like a pretentious douchebag and I never wanted to <laughs> meet you. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, awesome. I mean, she must have had a change of heart. Yeah. yeah. We think. Yeah. Well, I said it's like stage persona versus like my actual persona. I'm like very much so an, uh, an introverted extrovert. Like when I'm on stage, I want all eyes on me. And then when I'm off stage, don't right. look at me kind of thing. Yeah, I get that. It, it's, it's a very massively different world. I never really got into the whole thing of like the partying, the drugs, the drinking and stuff like that. Uh, I weighed the equivalent of a wet washcloth. So I don't drink very well. And it just wasn't, wasn't my thing. And I also had to preserve my voice whenever you're on, yeah. you're on tour. So I can think she kind of thought I was part of that. Cause that band was, was known to be the party band. Yeah, luckily I was not. Yeah, you were the designated driver. That's it. You made the right choice, Mrs. Dell. That's true. You got a good one. <laughs> I'm going to make her listen to that over and over again. Yeah, just yeah. put it on a loop. <laughs> you could write, write this song. Greg, you had an intelligent pick. All right. Because my number two is the pivotal, seminal figure from which virtually all British punk rock sprang. It is Johnny Rodden. Good pick. Vocally, it's his snotty, sneering, leering snarl from the early days of the Sex Pistols that created the archetype for punk rock singers. And, you know, even if it's been an elaborate hoax for the last 45 years, he's one of the precious few vocalists who can truly, legitimately sound dangerous. Oh, 
And I don't think he's ever capable of breaking that character, even when he's with Public Image Limited, you know, and they're doing dub or modal free jazz or whatever the heck else they want to do. He still sounds menacing and possibly when he goes more atonal, he could even sound a little scarier. So he's often been called a non-singer, which I get. But speaking as someone who has frequently shredded his vocal cords, probably because I was singing incorrectly, as <laughs> you know, Matt will probably tell me, but uh, many karaoke nights have I ended by singing Anarchy in the UK. It ain't easy. Mm -mm. The way that John Lydon sings, and amazingly, it may not sound like it, but he actually sings remarkably in tune. He's, to this day, wonder. Saw him at uh, Cruel World a few months ago with uh, Public Image, and he's still just a cantankerous, challenging figure. So, love him. Number two, Johnny Rotten. Intelligent pick. It's a good you. pick. It was intelligent. It's a good pick. You know the thing about Johnny Rotten, though? Did you know that he was Ari Up from the Slits? So, keep in mind that they were basically contemporaries of the Sex Pistols, but Johnny Rotten was Ari Up's stepdad. Yes. He married Ari Up's mom. Hmm. Not only that, him and his wife adopted Ari Up's kids because they were kind of messed up. And now he takes care of his wife, who is uh, battling Alzheimer's. Jeez. So that's his full-time job now. I reckon that Johnny Rodden has a has a has a lot more heart than anybody ever gives him credit for. Yeah. Absolutely. That's why he probably his persona is who he is. It's a defense mechanism because he feels more than the average bear. Would be mine. Yes. He's probably really soft and gooey inside, but it's that it's that shell that he shows the world. Punk singers always get this weird. They get tagged for being like either emotionless or just always angry only uh, anything yeah. like that. When in reality, they can be the the, the softest emotional people. Yeah, man, my uh, friend owns tattoo shops and you would like see some of these people, you know, with, you know, like, I don't know, septums pierced and tattoos mm -hmm. on their necks, uh, neck and face. And, you know, people see them and they cross the street, but they are some of the most kindest, uh, gentlest people who put on this mask in a way because they've been yeah. so hurt when they were younger. And it somehow either gives them power or it gives them that get away from me type vibe but they're actually some of the sweetest people you'll ever meet so if you see someone with like a big saucer in their lip or you know those really huge things on their ears mm -hmm. they're usually pretty cool people uh, a friend of mine name is foss pretty big uh, up-and-coming edm artist tattoos absolutely everywhere up the neck on the head everything he's the most cuddly bear that yeah. you've ever seen uh just is the sweetest, nicest, wonderful, supportive person ever. Just love him to death. Yeah. Just kids cry when they see him. That's all. And, uh, <laughs> you know, until they get to know. When my wife and I went to go see the chords. Rock and roll. Woo. <laughs> yeah. The guy standing next to us had these like weights in his ear. So he had the, the, the gauges, but then he had like these weights. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, his ears went down probably to his chest and, uh, <laughs> My wife kept telling me, if he hits me with his ears, I'm going to freak out. Because he was like dancing all around, like pogoing, and his ears were going everywhere. It was it was pretty impressive. Gotta say. So are we talking the same chords? Uh, the chords, yeah. Oh, the with chords. Chris Pope. Oh, I thought you said the, the chords. No, no, no. Not, not know, the chords. Oh, no, 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 That's no, why no, I was no. like, oh, my God, really? 
No, not the lightweight Irish yeah, uh, <laughs> pop group. No. Those sisters were beautiful. We're talking about the mod punk band, yes. the Chords, with okay. former O3L guest Chris Pope. Yeah, mm. I, that's why I was giving you crap saying rock and roll when I thought you said you went to go see the Chords. And I was like, what? Oh. That must I mean, have been crazy. Past me. No, I would. But, yeah. And believe me, the guys with the big ears go all out for the Chords. Yes, I know. <laughs> what was the song? Got breathless? Me breathless. There you go. <laughs> all right. Well, hey, thank you. That was from the abdomen, the abdomen, <laughs> the abdomen, <laughs> the abdomen. <laughs> All right. Hey, we've been off rails since All right, one, one more segment, one more segment, but we got to get to uh, make sure again, these lists, they're subjective. So if you, our listening audience has your top five punk singers, get to our Facebook page. Let us see your list. We can share, we can talk and we'll be Coming back with our number one top punk singers after this. This is Paul Laird, author of The Birth and Impact of Britpop, Misshaped, Scenesters and Insatiable Ones, telling you that if you're a lad or a lass, you need to be listening to Only Three Lads podcast with Greg and Brett, two spiffy gentlemen. Hi, A. This isn't Sarah McLaughlin, but if it was... I'd ask you to help the Only Three Lads podcast. They need you to rate them and write reviews on your favorite podcast platform. Share their social media posts. Tell your friends to like their pages. And please, buy a t-shirt. All of this helps to save these beautiful, innocent podcasting creatures. Look into their eyes and hear their cry for help. Don't be a hoser. Be an angel. We are back. It's the Only Three Lads podcast. Don't forget, we are on many, many platforms. Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Apple, the iHeartRadio app. You can go to Google and just type in Only Three Lads podcast, or you can tell your smart speaker play the only three lads podcast. Then we're all hanging out talking about the stuff that we love. Classic alternative music. It's magic. Matt, if you can go back in a time machine and see a classic alternative act, who would it be? Oh, this is so hard. Cause it's hard to narrow it down. Uh, one of them would be Radiohead before they started costing $700 a ticket. Yeah. Uh, would mm. be, would be real nice. Um, I feel like if I could go, if I could go back, I would probably go back and see the Ramones just to be able to have seen the Ramones. Nice. I was Ramones 1992 at UCSD. Nice. Great show with Frank Black opening. Yeah. Oh, that'd be a Actually, good one. Actually, could have been 93. I saw him in 95 yeah, the last time, and that was with, uh, it was at The Grind was the name of the club. The Grind. And I got to meet him. <laughs> I ate dinner with him. Joey Ramones. Nice. The whole band. Cool. Joey. Yeah. yeah. I got a picture of him. Matt, I, I've told this story before, so I'm going to bore Brett and everybody else, but I'll tell you this. I was working in radio for only a couple of weeks, and someone said, if you could have a picture with anybody, who would you want it to be with? And out of the blue, I said, Joey Ramone, cause thinking never, ever. A few mm -hmm. months later, there I am standing with Joey Ramone and uh, taking, his, you know, taking a picture with him. And then they had dinner at this place called Hooligans, and then across the street was uh, The Grind. Boring story, I know, but that's, uh, that's it in a nutshell. No. I love Super that. Cool. I remember way early in my career, somebody asked me once, like, if there's anybody that you could open up for, who would it be? And I said, just randomly, a Conaline Crush. Mm. Conaline Crush was a band that I wanted to open mm. up for. And 
years later i did they did a they did a resurgence and uh i had a chance to open up for them and it was uh, it was quite the quite the thing also uh i mother earth was the other one as well and i was like wow this is super cool this is pretty cool to be doing this right now <laughs> yeah i told all my other friends and i was like oh i'm opening up for them and all of them responded with who yeah <laughs> well, <laughs> as long as it meant something to you meant something yeah. to me and you know what matt i i got to see radiohead in a bar it was when they first came to america pablo honey was the 1993 the creep song if you brought the cassette or if you brought like the cd leaflet thing in there you got three dollars off and there was this little <laughs> bar called the library where they actually had books you know mom i'm gonna go to the library and uh i remember i wish i would have i knew who they were because i remember seeing them i could have touched tom york on stage I walked Jeez. right past them and they were just nobodies yet, but the creep song was just starting to bubble and then boom. And then you got the Benz and you got okay. Computer karma, police, fake plastic trees, all those yeah. songs. And it's all because so the girls. song creep, they yeah. would have never got that uh, artistic freedom without that song, yeah. even though they hate that yeah. song now, but I still love it. <laughs> it's funny when you talk to other people about those kind of things, right? Like, a school that I used to teach for on, on the actual like profile of mine, it says I opened up for a band called Marianas Trench. They're, they're a Canadian uh, pop rock band, right? Hung out with Carly Rae Jepsen. And Carly Rae Jepsen, yes. Yeah. And so many people are like, oh my God, you, you played shows with them? Like, that's amazing. I'm like, yeah. At the time when it was me, my wife, and two other people in the bar because nobody knew who <laughs> yeah. they were. <laughs> but those are the great stories. Yeah, you were there first. Yeah. And then now in before, like, you know, you could talk and now you couldn't even get within 50 feet because her wall of meat bouncer would move you back but no i played with her and she's like oh yeah hi. oh yeah the singer josh ramsey he, he gave me some of the best advice i had i was a very nervous player when i first started making a lot of mistakes and the first time i opened up for them i did so poorly i ended the, sh the, the set by saying i'm so sorry i'm a lot better than this and i walked off stage <laughs> <laughs> and i just walked off stage defeated and josh just opened his arms and he just hugged me and he went why did you do that <laughs> I love yes. and, I, and i was like i just did terrible he goes well yes i know you did terrible but they don't know you did terrible <laughs> you're never as terrible as you think though yeah yeah i am my own worst critic especially with the drunken sailor lines and all that but uh the audience doesn't quite hear all the little uh flubs that you know mm -hmm. and probably other musicians know yeah it's nice to feel that validated. Yeah. We send you a hug as well. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I appreciate it. Same right You're back. doing very well today. <laughs> we you. can't say the same, but you're doing very well. Yeah. Outclassing us by a bunch. I, I'm doing terrible at keeping it grounded, but uh, well, that's fine. Yeah, it's all right. It's that's like herding cats on this podcast sometimes, Matt. <laughs> but we're at number one. We are. And so uh, I guess I'll give you my number one. So topping my list of my top five punk singers, Gabba Gabba Hey. Oh, yeah. The Ramones. Amazing band with so many of great songs. You already talked about him, Joey Ramone, um, really the face of a truly unique band and a truly unique guy. Uh, just he was tall, he was gawky, he, there hasn't been anything like him since. Talked about meeting them already. That was the thrill of my life. And I have that picture in a box. It's safe. One day I'll put it on the Facebook page because I have to go and dig it out. And it's too hot in Phoenix to do anything besides sit and not move. 
But Joey Ramone, my number one punk singer. So cool. Absolutely. Easily. He was the coolest. Definitely an honorable mention for me. I'm one of the greats. Mm -hmm. Plus, did you know that he was a very major investor, like a very astute investor? I was reading that this morning. No. Interesting. Now, he came from a family with money. His real name is Jeffrey Hyman, I think. Probably got it wrong, but something like that. And um, But his family. He could have told us anything. Yeah. Uh, but his family, he, you're right. Yeah, I'll look oh, at that. Jeffrey Hyman. So he, but his family, he, he came from his family's got money, and that was always rubbing the band because he would never want to tour when they were like begging him. I remember one time go to South America, but apparently he was like a big time, like probably watch CNBC all day. Another intelligent guy. The things you learn about Joey Ramone or Jeffrey Hyman, if that is your <laughs> real name, and I think that is his real name. And Jeffrey realistically, is. like how many amazing cool influential artists have we heard of and know about that came from rich families a lot how do you get your uh you know your your first time in a recording studio you got to put up your own bucks yeah you know so that's why and then of course lessons mm -hmm. all kinds of things probably affluent families but yeah but um look uh, maroon five guy levine yeah no, adam levine yeah, yeah adam levine rich family yeah spike jones spiegel Rich family. All the guys in the Beastie Boys. Paris Hilton. Paris Hilton. She's a Kardashian. Yeah. <laughs> don't don't overlook her album, Paris. Come on. Oh yeah. Avril Lavigne. Sleep on that one, kids. Avril Lavigne. Didn't she come from money? Yeah, she probably came from an upper middle class upbringing. I think so. I think Celine so. Celine Dion probably, probably came from a uh lengthy line of French Canadian uh maple. <laughs> icons no i think i i think maybe she was more working class but her husband who was like 53 years older than her mm -hmm. i think that helped her you know he already established himself before he yeah. said hey yeah. we got to get you singing yeah and stop eating because we want to see <laughs> there's that too yeah we we want to see every uh ligament in your neck when you sing that's <laughs> what creeps me out a little bit oh we kid with you celine <laughs> she's not listening now sarah mclaughlin i'm not going to make fun of her because she does oh. listen Yes, she does. Yeah, long time, does long time listener. Yeah, long -time we've been trying to get her on, but first time caller. <laughs> but she's on tour. She's actually going to be there in San Diego, Shelter mm -hmm. Island. I was thinking about going, but there's like two tickets left of the whole thing. I've never been to that oh, place. It's lovely, Greg. <laughs> Please save the animals. <laughs> Sorry, Matt. This has gone to hell in a handbasket. I'm loving it. I don't think anyone else is. I think people are like, uh, we try to get through episode 127. If we amuse ourselves, you know, we got to start somewhere. I think at this point in time for a lot of the people that that listen to what I what I do have just come to realize that whenever I open my mouth, it's it's going to be just a lot of rambling and and other just randomness for a while. So it's uh, fantastic. They'll, they'll come to expect it. Good. Well, number one for you. Number one. This was hard. Uh, number one, honorable mentions on the list. Green Day, Sunny Day Real Estate, At the Drive-In, uh, Alanis Morissette would be another one, which was huge. But I had to go for this one with my heart. Uh, 1997, Thrice. Mm. Thrice. Thrice, yes. This was a band that uh, heavily influenced, again, a lot of stuff that I did. A little bit more on the heavier version of it. Dustin Kensrue, his vocals are just this blend of melodic, powerful, gravelly 
it has this way of being emotional and pulling you right into everything that he's doing and singing. Just everything about this band and the fact that every single album is different every single time. They wrote one called the Alchemy Index that was four albums. It was four, uh, I think there was five songs in each album. And it was uh, Earth, Wind, Fire, and Water. So Earth was all recorded live off the floor acoustic. Fire was all, uh, I think, distortion. Water was digital. And Wind was all uh, harmonies. And they were signed to Island Records at the time. And Island Records said, if you release this album, we will drop you. This is too uh, risky. We don't want to take that. And they went, okay. And they released the album and got dropped. And they got picked up by another label called Vagrant Records. And uh, it's it's still to this day, like one of my favorite albums. This is a band that has come out time and time again, every time they put out an album and it's different every time across the board. I am unfamiliar. Mm-hmm. I've heard the name. I couldn't tell you one of their songs, but I've heard thrice before. Yeah, the the most popular is uh, Artist in the Ambulance. I think that's technically their third album. Just uh, unbelievable. Incredible from, and I've seen them, I think I've now seen them 16 different times. Oh, wow. And just time and time again, I would go see them another 16 times. Well, since nobody else did it, I'm going to do it. I know all my picks have been British. I know they've all been from the first wave of punk rock, but that's who I am. So... I'm going to conclude with arguably the single most important voice of the O3L era, somebody that we have already mentioned, Joe Strummer. Mm. There you go. He was never the perfect singer, but punk ain't about perfection. Mm -mm. He could affect a thick accented growl that soundtracked the unrest in the streets or an expressive yelp that sounded like he was on the verge of giving out at any moment, expressing more of the fragility of the human experience, shall we say. Every line he sang was delivered with passion and conviction, tension, anger, and desperation. Regardless of whatever stylistic hats The Clash would try on, and we know they would do everything from reggae, funk, dub, jazz, pop, hip-hop, whatever, Strummer always retained the honesty and fire of punk. He was a street poet, one of the voices of a generation. And whether it be White Riot, London Calling, Rock the Casbah, it would be impossible to imagine those words coming out of any other mouth i.e. Celine Dion. So, in many ways, Joe Strummer was perfect. But he was another voice who was uh, silenced far, far too early, and we still miss him. Number one, it's got to be Joe Strummer. Got to be. Good pick. It's a good number one. Yeah. Thank you. I might as well rattle off honorable mentions while I'm at it. I had uh, Chris Bailey from The Saints, John King from Gang of Four, Vanessa Briscoe Hay from Pylon, Debbie Harry, Howard DeVoto, Paul Westerberg, Nikki Sudden, Jake Burns from Stiff Little Fingers, Penelope Houston from Avengers, Polly Styrene X-Ray Specs, 
I don't need to go on. Yeah, no, could. we could go on and on and on. Well, let me just give you my uh, rundown at number five for me of my top five punk singers. At number five, Mark Arm from Mud Honey, and then Greg Gaffin of Bad Religion at number four. Becky Bondage. Rebecca Bond's her real name. So you said, what's your name? Bond. Oh. Rebecca Bond. But Becky Bondage from Vice Squad. At number two, Johnny Rotten. And then at number one, Joey Ramone. Nice. Uh, my number five, if I remember correctly, was uh, Fugazi. Uh, my number four was Weezer with Rivers Cuomo. Uh, my number three... Was that Avril? I think I said Avril for yep, number three. It was Avril. Was Avril yeah. Levine? Uh, my number two was Our Lady Peace with Rain Maida. And my number one was Dustin Kensrue with Thrice. And I had number five, Marky e. Smith from The Fall. Number four was Susie Sue. Number three was Pete Shelley from Buzzcocks. Number two, Johnny Rotten. And number one, Joe Strummer. Good, good picks. Well, you want to hit the randomizer, see what we're going to do next week? It's not completely random because we already kind of know what we're going to do, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's all a facade. It's all behind the stage. production Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Because we lost Her Royal Majesty over the past week, we decided that we were going to do top five royal songs, right? Right. Songs with some sort of royal title. Yeah. Like mm. King of whatever king of pain king of pain king for a day two princess i'm not picking spin doctors don't get me wrong oh, but two princess spin doctors oh yeah god that song first ace of bass now the spin doctors greg do you have no morals <laughs> i know I, I, I do not that's the problem <laughs> oh spin but doctors. uh and then matt how do we get a hold of you because i really want to take a class from you because i want to i, I want to do the screamo thing and the croning thing uh, that would be registersmusic.com. When you go on there, you can sign up for a free trial. And uh, and then we can talk all about uh, the voice and everything you're looking to uh, have done with it. I just want to sound professional since I am in radio, but you can tell here <laughs> I'm not that professional. You are the picture perfect model of professionalism <laughs> or something like that. Or something like that. Right. I love it. It's the smooth tone of the voice that works for me. It's good. Well, I'm like really sweating and hot over here. God, quit bragging. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, sorry. Oh, so we're gonna we're gonna wrap this thing yeah. up. But I would like to say thanks to Matt Dell for joining us today. It's been a blast. <laughs> How'd I do? Did I get better throughout the course of the show? That got better. Good. That got Perfect. much better. That was uh, that was definitely from there the jawline. Yes. Yeah. Poor Matt. Hey, Matt, will, <laughs> will you come back at some point um, when we're not like completely uh, game damaged uh, as we are this week? This is. Please. I'd, I'd love to come back whether you're uh, Dame brandaged or not. Okay. Perfect. All right. Good. Another friend made. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate you. And those of you out there, definitely check out I've Got Gloria. Any other bands that are uh, that have material out right now to, to listen to? So I've worked with uh, a band called Bearings, another band called Seaway that are uh, really starting to hit okay. the road. They're doing some really cool things right now. Cool. All right. So Bearings, Seaway, and definitely check out registersmusic.com. As his website says, learn to free your voice, not fear it. It's mm -hmm. a great tagline. Thank you. Thought of that myself. 
We will see everybody next week. Until then, we will wave hello and say goodbye. The theme music is Frequency, written and performed by yours truly, Brett Vargo. Any other music in this episode is presented solely for purposes of review, examination, and news reporting. If you like what you hear, go to your record store and pick up the LP, CD, cassette, or 8-track, or stream it if you're one of those newfangled fancy pants. If we're lucky enough to still have these artists with us, go out and see some live music. For the latest updates, join the O3L community at facebook.com slash only3lads. We want to hear from you. And while you're at it, click on the Shop Now link for the coolest threads. Until next time, thanks for listening. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.